0: Amen, amen. Aren't you grateful to be in the house of God with God's people? We've experienced God's presence and God's power. God is doing a new thing, and I am thrilled that you are here This morning, welcome to the sanctuary, amen. The sanctuary is a place of life, it's a place of love, this is a place of hope, this is a place to belong. And so if you are here today and you are one of our first-time guests, one of our returning guests, we welcome you today in Jesus' name. We're so glad you're here, so glad you're back. We are excited to see how God is gonna continue to unfold his spirit, his plan in our life here this morning. We are continuing our series all things new. And I am just so grateful that you are here. I really feel like today's sermon is very pivotal in the life of the church. I hope that during the course of our time together, you have been blessed as well as challenged during this really beginning point of the year as we continue to allow God to take control. Amen. And we continue to commit our lives every single day to the plan of God, the process that God is trying to work in me. I want God's will to accomplish his perfect plan in me every single day. Is that your desire today? If so, why don't we give God praise together as we get started today. Amen. Have you heard the story of the hen and the hog? The story of the hen and the hog. Well, they're walking down the street, right? And there was this sign outside of the church and it said, Help The needy. Okay, so that sounds like a great idea. So they began to talk about it. So the hen said, I know how we can help. I've got this brilliant idea. What we're going to do is we could give those needy folks some ham and eggs. I mean, that sounds like a great idea. Well, the hog, well, he's horrified. He says, well, that seems okay for you. For you, it's only a contribution. But for me, it is total commitment. <laughs> all right. Come on, somebody. You know, when we're talking about being all in, being committed to what God is trying to do, there's something to be said about just contributing as well as being all in. I want to be all in for Jesus today. Amen. I believe God's got a plan for your life. God's got his plan that will unfold as we obediently follow the leading of his spirit and the power of his word being saturated in our life every single day. Amen. Amen. By now in this series, we, of course, have talked about so many things, how it's time to believe when God says something that we ought to believe it. Amen? Amen. Instead of what we see in the natural, I want to trust in the supernatural God today. Sometimes that's that leap of faith, but that's all right. I want to be a person of faith. Amen. How there is wisdom in waiting for God's voice to move. I don't want to go anywhere without moving and hearing from the word of God. I want God's voice to speak loudly and clearly every ounce of my life. No matter if I want to go to the left or the right, I want to follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's wisdom in that. How I believe the church of 2021 that we are called to pursue, overtake and recover all that's been lost. You lost some things in 2020. Oh, come on, somebody. I know it's been a tough year, but guess what? I'm believing that God's going to help us. He's going to provide the spiritual fortitude, the strength, the passion that we once had. God is going to do something and stir up the gift within us today to ignite a passion for what he has for our life so that his mission can unfold in and through our lives every single day. Last week, we learned about the crossing of the amazing Jordan River and the memorial stones that really reflect that victory comes through unity. Amen. Victory comes through unity. I'd be doing a disservice to this church if I spoke about that particular incredible miracle without mentioning that there were some folks that missed out. There were some folks that missed out on that Miracle not talking about the people that were with them at the Jordan River. Remember anybody that was with them when, when the priest walked in the water with the Ark of the Covenant, the Jordan River, it was at flood stage, but it parted and they walked across on dry ground. So that was amazing because everybody walked over that. In that moment, they had spiritual teamwork, okay? And as we know, spiritual teamwork makes the dream work, all right? And so they were partnering together with what God was saying and calling them to be a people united for a purpose, for a plan. And so as that occurred in the life of of the Israelites, they passed through the other side, celebrating the power and the goodness of the Lord. But you see, there was a group of folks, they never savored that particular victory. And that is because they weren't there when it happened. They were some that had already abandoned ship before the promise, in fact, had already arrived. And so those are the folks, I'd like to speak about today to understand the events that we're about to discuss right here. It's necessary for us to go back in time a little bit, several years before Joshua. Moses, the prior leader, he made this concession to two and a half tribes of Israel, the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and the half tribe of Manasseh. They were attracted to the land that was actually outside of the promised land. They thought, man, this would be an amazing place, a great place just simply for some of our cattle to graze. And so we think, man, why don't you just leave us alone? Because we would love to stay in this place where our cattle can be fed, where the land looks plenty and just looks like a better opportunity. And so they did not cross the Jordan River. Numbers 32 and verse 5. Therefore they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. Moses said to the people of Gad and to the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war while you sit here I mean, in other words, we're going to go do the Lord's work and you're just going to (laughs) sit and watch your cows graze on grass. Why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? I mean, he's asking the question, hey, come on. God's given this to us. We are about to possess the promise. God's will is unfolding right before our eyes. Why don't you come with us? Today, I'd like to preach on this thought. Borderline believers. Help me, God, to never become a borderline believer. When we look to this passage, what we find is that their main concern was making a living and not having an inheritance. They spotted a location, looked pretty comfortable. I mean, hey, it looks convenient. I mean, look at that green grass. Look at how great it is. We're just going to have the the fattest cows. All right. That's what they're saying. This is just a great place for grazing. Never mind that this location would require them to forsake their calling. I want you to know that calling will never be comfortable. Calling will never be convenient. Calling will never be convenient. When we're called to someone, God is calling us to do something. It's never going to be convenient. And oftentimes, it's not comfortable. These individuals in this passage, they looked to the short-term rewards rather than the long-term vision that God had for them. And so they forsook the promised land that God had already promised to them. This is the deal that they wanted God to sanction through the leader Moses. It's found in Numbers chapter 32 and verse 18. We will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond. Why? Why would you say that? I mean, this is the why right here. Because our inheritance has fallen to us on this eastern side of the Jordan. I want you to take notice of what's being said here. What in? in in, in our language, look, just leave us here. Look, we got this, all right? Whatever you think is better on the other side of the Jordan, just leave us here. We are good, man. We are comfortable. Look, I will tell you whatever you want to hear, but just leave us alone because we're not interested in going forth or fighting or doing anything because it's, whole, it's a whole lot more convenient to stay on the eastern side than to go and fight the battles that God has for our preferred future. The inheritance we've chosen is so much better, far surpasses what God has promised. We know this because, look, here's the spot right here. We got this. We don't want to entertain the thought of God's promises for the future. When I read about these two and a half tribes, of course, I'm saddened to hear this news, right? I mean, it kind of Like what? Why would they do that? I mean, that doesn't make it logical sense. But but don't we do that sometimes? We do this because it's a whole lot easier to stay in Egypt than it is to cross the Red Sea. It's so much easier to stay where we are in our current state of spiritual development or decline than it is to take that step of Saying, God, I just want to trust you with my life. I know it doesn't make sense sometimes, but if, I, if you're calling me to something, if you're leading me to become something, if you're growing something within me, God, I want to be stirred. I want to be motivated. I want your light to shine forth. I want your spirit, God, to transform me from the inside out. Amen. i I, I'm sad. <laughs> about what I hear in this passage. When I read them, these two and a half tribes, well, it honestly looks like I'm reading an autopsy of the North American church. God's promises, they're on the horizon, but there's a lack of zeal to possess the promise. There's a lack of passion, a lack of commitment to take that step to possess what God has for us because it's so much easier to rest in a familiar place than give up and give up on the true inheritance that God has for us. Feels like these two and a half tribes are a lot like borderline believers in our churches today. What does that mean? Well, we're in close proximity to God's promise, but we never claim it. We never take that step. We never risk it toward the Lord to say, you know what? I will follow the voice of God in this area of my life. Feels like these two and a half tribes, because here's the deal with them. They were, they're going to say, look, I will consider fighting. (laughs) But can, can I tell you, I'm not too sure I'm willing to step out of my Comfort zone. They're saying this we're willing to serve the Lord, fight for a cause, perhaps in a time from now. But again, my focus is on where we are right now. It doesn't matter to them that they're not going to enter the promised land. In fact, this passage, it doesn't seem like it even phases them at all. Doesn't this remind us of that, that Old Testament guy by the name of Esau a little bit? What did Esau do? He sold his birthrights, his promise. For what? A bowl a soup? Lentils, okay? He said, look, I am so hungry. You know, I would just, I'm so starving that, you know you, you know, you want the blessing? Fine. You can have the blessing. I don't think it's really worthwhile anyway. It's not something I'm going to fight for. Just take it. Just feed me some lentils because I'm kind of hungry right now. Sacrificing the immediate for the future hope of what God has, the promise of the Lord. So on this destiny-altering day for the nation of Israel, only nine and a half tribes entered into the promised land, inherited this promise. Two and a half tribes were willingly giving up their inheritance. And so when the land was divided in Joshua chapter 14, it was really only these nine and a half tribes who actually had crossed over the Jordan. The two and a half tribes... They didn't even keep their agreement with Moses. They told them, look, we're going to live on this side, on the eastern side, on our land, and we're going to help you fight. You know, so just let's call up, just you know, shout out, you know, text me, let me know when you need something. I mean, you know, we got this. We're not, that's what they're saying here in this passage. We're going to live here. We're going to help you fight there whenever you decide to cross over for your inheritance. But when the time came for the land to be taken... They left the majority of their fighting force behind to simply protect their own property. Only a small portion of warriors even ventured into the land of promise. And at their earliest opportunity, they headed back to the eastern side of the Jordan River. Please don't miss the significance of this. They didn't want to follow God's promise or God's plan. And so now... They focused on their own way of worship. We're going to read about this in a moment. But once you think your ways are better than God's ways, it's a short walk to false worship. When we think it's our, our, you know, it's our deal, our time, me time and, and you, know, you know, and then and, and signs of the times are going on all around us. When we think that we've got everything figured out, God's like, look, I've got a plan. I'm going to work this out. But you better follow me. I got something better for your life and for your future. But surrender your future unto me. There's a short walk when we don't worship the right things to an altar. Of false worship, Joshua chapter twenty-two and verse ten. While they were still in Canaan, when they came to a place called Giloth near the Jordan River, the men of Reuben and Gad and a half tribe of Manasseh stopped to build a large and imposing altar. Now, at, on the surface, this looks right. I mean, okay, you're building an altar. That's great, awesome, fabulous. That's what we want to do, right? But there's something, of course, to this story. I wouldn't be talking about this on a Sunday morning. (laughs) They built this altar, but it wasn't to God, it was to their own covenant that kept them from the land of promise. When the rest of Israel would see this altar, they were, you know, hey, we're ready to go to war. But wait a minute. Why are you building that altar? And especially since you're not building that altar to God, you're creating an object of worship to something other than Jehovah God. What's the deal? Maybe we should go to war with you. Forget about all these other folks first. But then they began to defend their motives. Now, you you misunderstand me. That's not what I mean. (laughs) Don't we do this? We make excuses, right? Oh, man, you know, living for God is just tough. I'm just not interested. Or, you know, I just, you know, I, I got this. I got this on my own deal. I, don't worry about me. You know, I'm fine. You know, I'll, I'll catch a sermon every now and again. I'll read my Bible every once in a while. I'll pray, you know, once a month. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not really all in yet, so I'm not really sure that's my deal anyway. But Christians, Christ followers, that's what Christians are. Christ-like, right? christ followers. So if we're really going to use the label that was used in the book of Acts for Christ-followers, people of the way, then it, it's a calling to something. It's a surrendering. It's, it's a selling out to God's way, God's plan for our life. These individuals, when we were looking at them in the Scripture, they defended their motives, and they claimed that their altar was simply an innocent symbol. Joshua 22 and verse 28 if they say this, our descendants can quickly reply, they can do this real quickly. look at this copy of the Lord's altar that our ancestors made. It's not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. That's not what It, it was never meant to be that. In this case, it's a reminder of the relationship both of us have with the Lord. They're proudly proclaiming, "This altar is not for sacrifice. It's not for burnt offering." That's not what we're using it for. It represents the covenant that we have with you, not our covenant with God. It's for our protection so that none of you will forget what we promised on this day, that we're going to be good on the eastern side of the Jordan River because we're not interested in following you into the promised land. We're fine. I mean, hey, we're still connected to our heritage. I mean, I don't have to show up to church. I don't have to watch church. I don't have to be a part of the church. I just kind of can drift in and drift out and assume that I'm just going to grow spiritually. But I've got to grow, God, deep in my roots so that when the storms and wind and wave come, I am not compromising the doctrine of truth that I'm not listening to some, somebody else or something else. My eyes, God, must be focused Amen. on you, Jesus Christ, and you alone. Help me not get distracted by the chaos and the noise that certainly has consumed most of our lives for the past year and then some. Sometimes we get our eyes off the prize and in doing so, We're, in essence, begin that process of drifting away from the Lord. Help me, God, grow in this manner. Help me, God, not to become a borderline Christian. Borderline Christians are content to live afar from the tabernacle, the place of God, the house of God, and prefer to live closer to the enemy. This altar we've made is just near the promised land. It's just a great big monument. It's great to see, but it's really just a part-time altar. That's because God's promised land isn't something that we're interested in. Folks, can I share this? That without sacrifice, there is no altar. The Bible shares this. We understand this, but if if you don't know this, can I tell you that without sacrifice, without the burnt offerings on of the side. There is no living altar. It's not a real altar. In fact, it's simply an altar to convenience, an altar to the best of both worlds. They temporarily crossed the Jordan, to what was supposed to be their promised land, and then they went back to their place of comfort. Can I share something with you today? That comfort is not always safe. Comfort, it's not always safe spiritually. The place of comfort can easily and quickly become a dangerous false idol. Why? Because it exalts security over sacrifice. Ease over mission. Moses and Joshua let them settle for less. And eventually it would destroy them. The choice of the two and a half tribes. It may have been good for the children (laughs) at the moment. It might have been great for the cattle. But for the generations to come, for their children's descendants, it was the very thing that caused disastrous outcome. Why? They're living on the outside of the promised land. They became a buffer zone between Israel and all the ungodly nations around them. Their location made them extremely vulnerable to military attack, to ungodly influence. And both of these liabilities eventually brought about their downfall. They quickly fell into idolatry. They were even captured by the Assyrian army. It was a short journey from that false altar they constructed to false worship because they not only ended up losing their promise, in fact, they also lost their possessions as well. The generations that followed them would reap in agony what they sowed in rebellion. Their choices prove that our plans can never be better than God's plans. Can I speak some truth to our situation right now? Too many of us, too many of us are losing out on our inheritance with God because we've hedged our bets on what seems convenient and what seems comfortable. We've sold off the future of the next generation because we've been caught in the crossfires of the current battle. For some of us, borderline Christians, we're on the outskirts of the church So we don't have protection. We've got an altar to experience. But we've forgotten the God of that experience. But can I tell you today, folks, I know that today is your day that you can transform your destiny. Why? Because God's mercy is great. His hope is available for all today. We don't have to make the same mistake as these two and a half tribes of Israel. We don't have to be a borderline believer, but we can be God's people entering into the promised land with God's promises and see the glories of the Lord unfold in our lives. I'm calling us to step into God's preferred future, to rise together and possess God's promise for the church, God's promise for our world, our community, our friends, our loved ones, to drop the pretense of convenience and comfort and wage forward in war, knowing that this is a battle that God has been talking about. He is for you, he is with you, and he will sustain you in the darkest of nights. I'm calling us to march boldly where God is calling us to be, to seize possession of the promised land because God has a plan for you. And God has a plan for me. Oh, would someone begin to praise God and thank him for what he wants to do in the life of the church today. As we are coming off 21 days of prayer and fasting, consecrating and dedicating our lives to the Lord. Can I tell someone today that God's way is the only way? God's way, it is the only way. It shouldn't be my way or your way, but what is God trying to do in me? Here's the truth of the situation. When we follow our own path, our way often leads to disaster because it's our way, right? It's in our strength. That's not God orchestrated nor God ordained. But if we really want a blessed life, supernaturally blessed by the Lord, we must make God's priorities our priorities. God's will, my will. God's plan, my way. Jesus, help me understand. The words of Matthew chapter 6, And verse 33, which declare that we must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Everybody say all things. All these things shall be added to you. When I think about this verse really ought to be etched in the minds of everyone here today. Really, it ought to be the, the litmus test to, to filter what are our motivations in life? What, what are we doing? What are our plans, our actions, our focus, God? Help me seek you first in all areas and, and let allow your path, your plan to unfold in my future. When Jesus is the center of my life, everything I do, every decision, is through that lens. God, help me understand what you're trying to do in me. Grow me, mold me, make me, God, in your image. I want to please you with my words, with my thoughts, and my actions. Brings me back full circle to the scripture verse my wife shared on Wednesday. Joshua chapter three and verse five. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. I hope you can feel my passion today, that God's about to do amazing things in your life and the life of the church. I refuse to settle on the eastern side of the Jordan. Okay, I believe God's got a promise for you. God's got a promise for this church. I'm committed to God's plan. Oh, would someone begin to praise God and celebrate that with me right now? I believe God wants to do a work in our world, a work in our community. And it starts in me. God, I want you to be the center of my life. Transform me, God. Make me more like you. God place within me, the opportunity to surrender my all to you. Because I want us to know that God has a plan for you. God's got a plan for this community. God's got a plan for this nation. And I'm going to trust in God's plan, not man's plan. All right. I want to trust in God's plan, not my way. All right. My job is to consecrate. It's God's job to do the amazing. Come on, somebody, right? My job is just to surrender. My job is just to be obedient to the Lord, follow the path of God and consecrate, dedicate, surrender my all to the Lord. But it's God's job to do the amazing. And I want to trust in that amazing God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think today. Consecration declares that we are fully devoted to the Lord. Consecration means that we are dethroning ourselves and we're enthroning Jesus Christ. He's on the throne of our hearts, surrendering all of me to Jesus Christ every day. In fact, it says, look, God, I give you veto power (laughs) in my life. What does that mean? Well, it means if I'm going somewhere, stop me, God. You have complete if I'm supposed if I'm doing something that's not right, Lord, you have complete control to get a hold of me. Bring me to a place where I need to get restoration in my life. I need salvation. I I don't know. But you have complete control to stop me, to halt me, to, to make me go to the left or to the right. You have complete authority in my life. Consecration says, Lord, I want you to be first in my life, no matter what that requires of me. Because I refuse to allow the world or the noise, even well-meaning Christians, to distract me from my place in you. God's plan in my life, I don't want anybody else's noise to drown out your noise, God. I want to seek your face. Oh, sometimes it can hurt. Sometimes people say things or do things, it doesn't make sense. I get hurt in the process, but man, I'm not going to allow my hurts to halt me on the eastern side of Jordan. God, I want to possess the promise today. I, don't, I dare never want to become a borderline Christian and surrender to convenience. But God, I want to give you my all. Consecration is the pursuit of deepening our love for the Lord. It's a complete surrender, completely over to God, full obedience to God's plan for us. It means every second of every day, every ounce of energy, every resource we have is a gift from God to us and to be used for God's purpose in our life, so that he might be glorified, he might be magnified, that he might be lifted up. The Bible says if he is lifted up, he'll draw all men to him. Therefore, let's lift him up. Let's, let's give God glory through our words and our actions every single day. God, I want you to be magnified through me. I pour my life out on the altar, trusting God that your will is going to occur in me daily. It means being set apart, being dedicated in all aspects of my life. My full devotion means placing Jesus above the wants that I have in my heart. And in the end of the day, there will be more joy There'll be more peace. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is being demonstrated. It's just not something that I talk about, but it's being demonstrated in my life. Work, God, in me. Transform me, Lord, from the inside out. Let your Spirit, God, do what it needs to do in me. Bubble up, stir some stuff. Remove things out of my heart. Because I desire to seek you first in all areas. For some of us, we've coasted through 2020. The days are coasting. They're over. (laughs) We refuse to be borderline Christians borderline believers. We can't stop short of God's promise, the promised land, and miss God's true purpose for our lives. We cannot be content any longer with the status quo, but I believe God is calling the church to hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Bible declares they who will hunger and thirst will be filled. God, fill me to overflowing. I want to be so hungry for you, hungry for your word, hungry for your spirit, that you will transform me, God, from the inside out. Help me, Jesus, be more like you. There's a powerful quote from Mark Batterson I'd like to share with us today. And I'm bringing this to a close. I'm afraid we've cheapened the gospel to people to buy in without selling out. We've given people just enough Jesus to be bored, but not enough to feel the surge of holy adrenaline you experience when you decide to follow Him no matter what, no matter where, and no matter when. As your pastor, I cannot sit back. and allow the curse of complacency to destroy you. I cannot allow the curse of complacency to destroy the church, to destroy our children, to destroy our community. I've got to shout from the rooftops that God has a promise for you, a promised land, and it is on the horizon. It's just in front of you. If you are willing to seize it, then move forward in it. God wants all of us to get there together in Jesus' name. God is binding us together in one mind, in one accord for his call and for his purpose in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We might be wondering, how do I know? How do I know if I'm a borderline believer? How do I know if I've refused God's best for me? Well, there are some simple questions we can ask ourselves to help us figure that out the last time God told you to do something, how did you respond? When was the last time you felt sorrow or burden for the mission of God, God's mission to a hurting and lost world? When was the last time you had a passion to serve, to fulfill the vision of this church? Is there anything in your heart right now that we've said, it's off limits, God. I'll do this, but I'm not going to do that. You can have this area, Lord, but I'm not interested in surrendering that. When you look back at your life, I will promise you this, that the greatest moments will be spiritually when you made the decision to go all in for Jesus Christ and saying, Lord, I surrender all. I mean, sometimes we use that as words, but I mean, I am serious, God. I am giving you all. All areas of my life today, God, what is my job assignment? As I wake up this morning and I'm praying, who do I need to encourage? Who do I need to pray for? Who will I reach out to today? Perhaps God, you're going to lead me to someone who needs to be invited to church or a Bible study taught. Maybe somebody needs to be baptized in Jesus' name. God, lead me, Lord. I I will follow you. How do I honor you on the job? With my speech? With my words? Am I pushing people further away from Jesus by the very actions I do daily? Have I anointed what I place on social media and bathed it in prayer? Because I know there's a hurting in a lost world that needs Jesus. Help me God. Help me honor you in my community. Help me be a light of hope and darkness. Because if I always am talking about all the stuff that's down here, how in the world will I ever have time to talk about all the stuff up there? Jesus, help me, transform me God. I pray that I don't settle for the eastern side of Jordan. I pray, God, that I don't remain in my comfort zone. But push me out, Lord Jesus. Let me take a risk on you today. Tuning out all the naysayers and all the problems that I see on the horizon. Look, God, today I honor you. It's not about me. But it needs to be all about you. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. The only way to know if we're really all in is to seek him daily. In the name of Jesus Christ. I close with this final thought. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord at all, if he's not Lord of all, He's really not Lord. It's a title of convenience, an altar of convenience. We talk about it. We've lived through this for many of us. We've been around church and church people for years. Some of us are new to faith and that's all right. But for those three, two and a half tribes, they had seen God do miraculous things God had spoken to them, godly leaders. But when the time came for them to make a commitment, they were willing to stay on the eastern side rather than cross over to possess the promise. We're called to draw closer to the Lord. Has God required something of us that we've not surrendered? Because oftentimes God's, if if we're not hearing from God, we got to go back to that place that when we first heard him and God asked us to do something, we didn't, didn't do it. I mean, oh, I can't hear from God anymore. I don't know where I'm Well, maybe I just go back to where, where, I, was, where I first saw his light. Let me make a new commitment right here. A fresh start in you, God. Maybe that's where i need to go and take me back to that old mo- moment that landmark that moment god where i knew you and i felt you but along this journey of life noise distractions things i've gotten so accustomed to the world so accustomed to society that i've allowed that to become the loudest voice in my life god's calling us to go higher let's stand What does this mean preacher? Pastor, what is this talk? What are you talking about? It's it's not time for status quo Christianity. It's not time to just to go through the motions any longer. All of this, we look around the signs of the times, and I wonder, God, could this be the day that you return for the church? Is this the moment you I want to be ready? But not only that, God, I want to take as many people with me to see Jesus. Amen. I want to be so on fire for you, a revival within my heart that it stirs me, it transforms me. And I'm a worship in heaven for eternity with all my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We're only on this earth for a short time. And in that short moment, we're called to embrace the mission of God. Seek and save the lost. Be a light in the darkness, the great commission much be etched in our minds daily as well. So God help me. I'm going to invite us to find a place of prayer here in a moment. And in doing so, you're welcome to come to the front to pray. You're welcome to pray where you are. We have spaces here safely distant from one another if you'd like to do that. But God is calling us to take a step of faith today to say, God, where you lead me, I will follow In 2021, it's going to be different. I'm not going to coast along. I'm not going to allow the concerns or the hurts of my past to halt my spiritual development for the future. God, grow me, heal me. I surrender to you right now. What steps do I need to consecrate in order for you to be Lord of all? We're going to ask God to shine a light into our hearts. So God, that you will reveal in me what needs to be changed. Reveal, God, in me what I need to let go. Reveal, God, in me the areas that I need to be turned over to you. God, what have I held on to that's holding me back? In the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, God, that you'll speak life into this congregation. Speak hope, God, into this congregation. Lord, I believe you're empowering us to do great things. Your spirit can transform us in an instant. It can change us in an instant. We feel your presence in this place. We feel, God, your spirit. And I pray, God, you will work on us. We surrender our all to you. Do it only you can do in me, God. I'm tired of charting my own course, doing my own thing, going my own way. Today is the day I listen to you. Today is the day I surrender my all to you. Empower me, God, to be led, led by your spirit, to give you my all today. I want to listen to you. Heed your voice in me, God. Surrender, Lord Jesus. I want to surrender to your call, your purpose, your plan. In the name of Jesus Christ, I desire to walk boldly in you. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, I invite you to pray right now. You're welcome to come to the front to pray. Amen, I believe God's presence is here. You're welcome to pray where you are, but we need to make this entire place a place of prayer that God would search our hearts because I know God's got a work for you to accomplish. God's got something He desires for you to do, but it requires surrendering a consecration because today is a day we refuse to be borderline. Christians. In the name of Jesus, let's pray. In the name of Jesus, let's pray.